0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Well, with the start of the new semester, many parents in the Bay Area are getting a bit of an education about public education. Did you know, for example, that a school nurse working in California public schools may not give an aspirin to your child without parental permission? But that same nurse may arrange transportation for your daughter to Planned Parenthood to have an abortion, and by law, they're not required to tell you. By California law, transgendered and questioning students may use the bathroom of their choice without regard to their biological gender or impact on other students of the opposite sex. For years, sex education in public schools had been optional. If parents wanted their children to take a sexual health class, they had to sign up for the instruction. But a new state law in effect this year requires all California public school students to take sex education beginning in the seventh grade. And reading of the Bible or teaching about Christian beliefs in public schools, well, that's against the law in California. But you might be surprised to learn that one California school district openly teaches about Islam, even encouraging students to memorize portions of the Quran, while the Bible and Christianity remain off-limits. Brian Recton joins us in studio to talk a bit about the KFAX back-to-school half-off tuition opportunity, and boy, there's got to be a sense of some parents now, with the start of the new semester, and their kids are coming back questioning things, bringing questionable homework assignments, and wondering what is going on in public education.
2: Well, it's clearly a different world today that we're living in in the public school environment, and Uh, A lot of our listeners are aware of a program that we've been offering for six years where it's called uh, Back to School at Half Price. What a lot of parents may not know is it's not too late, even though they've probably already enrolled their children into the public school system. Those first uh, semester report cards are going to come out. They've already probably had conversations with with their children about questionable teachings at the school. It's not too late. We have a list of Christian schools on our website at kfax.com. And these schools are just waiting with open arms, especially with families from the public school system, where they're going to get a quality education that's not going to disagree with the standards and the beliefs of of the home life. And uh, those schools are listed on our website. So for those that have been listening uh, over the years, we've been doing this for six years. We have over 185 families that have enrolled in Christian school as a result of these vouchers, where a family pays half price for that first year where they enroll their child in a Christian school. More than enough time for you to gauge the quality of the school, the quality of the education, and and then make a determination if you want to re-enroll. You're not under any obligation to, but the option is there to re-enroll and keep your child in that environment that agrees with what you're teaching them at home.
1: And I would imagine down through the years, Brian, because you have the opportunity to speak directly with many of the families, that the reports coming back of the difference that Christian education is having in the lives of their students have to be remarkable enough that making the way, making the sacrifice to continue that enrollment throughout their school-aster career becomes a top priority because they've seen the stark difference, not just between many of the moral values that we spoke of earlier, but the percentile of students that graduate from a Christian school and move on to a four-year college or university is higher than in public education. In fact, public education, they're having a difficult time even getting students to graduate. Only 85% of public high school students in California actually make it to graduation.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting you'd say that because we have some of the schools that are listed on our website that have participated all six years that have a 100% acceptance rate of their high school seniors graduating and going on to college, the quality of the education is unquestionable. Um, the standards are high again you're not going to have to filter when your kids come home. What did you learn today you're actually you're going to be anxious for them to come home and hear what they learned today if they're in a Christian school. The real point uh, for for today is for parents to understand that it's not too late if they've already had conversations about, gee, I wish we, you know, I wish we weren't in the public school. I wish we could pull our kids out. At least go to the website where we have the schools listed. All the information on these schools, the websites, the address, the contact information. Feel free to call the schools. Just tell them that you're exploring the possibility of a KFAX voucher and uh, go take a tour of the school. You can do all that. Then come back, claim the voucher. Get your child into a school environment where they're not only going to get a quality education, but it's going to be Christ-centered, and it's not going to be in disagreement with what you're teaching them at home.
1: And the never-too-late message is important, I think, particularly for parents who have seen their students now matriculate to the next level. So they finished mid-school, now they're in junior high school, completed their junior high school career, they've moved on to high school, and the parents are beginning to wonder, wow, what's happened here? Mm. This new school is not like the last one, and we're really concerned about our child's education, not only scholastically, but morally and spiritually as well. And that's the important thing that you point out, Brian. It's not just a matter of top-notch education, reading, and writing, and arithmetic, as we used to say, but it's making sure that the principles that are being taught and underscored day-to-day in your child's life by arguably... The largest influence, because they spend the most time, more time than most parents do, Mm -hmm. six, seven hours a day, making sure that what is being taught and underscored is, in fact, in harmony with your beliefs, the teachings of your Mm -hmm. church, and in the biblical fashion in which you would like to raise your son or daughter.
2: And, and not to mention, Craig, you know, I talk to a lot of parents that have pulled their kids out of public school. One of the big complaints that they had was that basically the, the, the public schools teaching crowd control. I mean, you got classrooms with 30 or 40 students um, in, a, in a private school environment. It's half that in most cases. Uh, the, the quality of the education we've already talked about. I, I would encourage listeners to go to the website. We have a map that shows where all these schools are. So clearly, you know, if there's no school participating in your geographic area, well, then then it may not be an option for you. But if there is a school or two in your geographic area, at least it's something to pray about. It's something to consider. And then when that report card comes out or your child comes home with, you know, another issue that doesn't agree with your teaching at home, well, then you're that much closer to at least contacting the schools, meeting with them, taking a tour. Any family listening, any parent listening now can call me uh, on that website at kfax.com where they click on the banner for the back-to-school. They'll see my name, my number, my email address, be happy to answer any questions that families might have.
1: So if throughout this year you've thought it not necessary (laughs) and— Have discovered in the opening weeks of the new semester. Oh, yes, a private and Christian based education is very necessary for my son or daughter. And then, of course, you had thought heretofore it wasn't possible. Well, actually, now it is possible thanks to the KFAX half off tuition opportunity. Details available again on the web along with that interactive map at KFAX.com. Just click on the back to school banner and it'll take you directly to the page with all that information. You can do the research on the school near you, make an appointment to take a tour of it, and find out whether or not you conclude that not only is Christian education right for your child, but also, thanks to the KFAX half-off back-to-school opportunity, affordable for your child. Online at KFAX.com, that's KFAX.com, or you can call toll-free for more information, 800-947-5329, that's 800-947-KFAX. And Brian, I know that down through the years you've heard many exciting and encouraging testimonies that have come back from parents and grandparents, too, who Mm -hmm. have uh, made the effort taken the time, and made the investment in their child's life. And I guess at the end of the day, the results really speak for themselves.
2: Craig, I have a scrapbook of uh, cards, uh, letters, emails. I even have some families that send me photographs of their children, you know, when the when the school does the class photos, and they'll send me one. They just they want to keep me abreast of what's happening. And, you know, in many cases, these children are – it's life-transforming. The families are so glad that they – that they finally said, yes, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, taste and see that these schools are good, and then you'll, you'll find a way. And that's what most of these families say. You know, yeah, it's a struggle. Private school is not cheap, but you're not going to have those contradictions on a daily basis. And I believe that God, with God's help, you'll find a way to be able to keep your child enrolled in a Christian school.
1: And in all these years that we have been covering Public education, private education here on Lifeline, I will tell you this. One thing I have never heard from a KFAX listener in almost 30 years, and that's this. We regret that we sent our child to a Christian school. Never hear it said. So, to get more information, go online, kfax.com. That's kfax.com, and click on the back to school banner. Or, again, you can call toll free for more information, 800 947 5329. That's 800 947 KFAX.
0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: You ever wonder what your kids are learning in school? Oh, I don't necessarily mean things such as the history of the country and how to read and write and things of that sort, all important to be sure, but what of the other things that they're learning in school? You know what I mean, mom and dad, the other things? School's in session, and some things are taking place that perhaps are going to shock parents. It is incumbent, I think, on all of us to understand, to to help bridge the so-called generation gap and know what our kids are learning, how they're feeling, and ultimately how they're being influenced by both their peers and even by the educators. With some insights to help us all wake up to the realities of what kids are learning both in and outside of school, Andy Brainer joins us. He's a teen expert, author of an expose on teen sex and dating, what's really going on and how to talk about it, published by Nav Press. And Andy, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today.
3: Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah,
1: well, parents too, frequently certainly will focus on things like, are you getting your homework done? What do your grades look like? Things of this sort, all important issues to be sure. And yet it's what's not on the official curricula sometimes that we ought to most be worried about.
3: Right. We, uh, we, I spent uh, two years uh, researching this book uh, in the hallways of the high schools across America and and actually came up with some pretty alarming uh, results, uh, I found that uh, there's a there's a there's an undercurrent of sexuality happening in our in our high schools today, that is akin to the sexual revolution of the '60s, but it's all being done kind of under the radar. And so, I would encourage parents, uh, just like you said, there's a lot of things we can see that we expect kids to learn from school. But it's the relationships that they're having uh, in the hallways of the high school, when school's over, on on weekends, that we we should really be concerned about.
1: All right, here's a fact check uh, reaching out to some of the FAQ that parents ought to be asking of their teens or at least aware of. Uh, Let's begin with the first point that you address, and that is that there is significantly more sexual activity going on than most parents are aware of. In fact, according to a CDC study, half of high school students have had sexual intercourse and 14 percent. I mean, you know, it's not far from being one out of every five. Have had relations, physical relations, with four or more partners, and we're talking about kids still in high school,
3: right? I was in the school, um, and I won't mention the name of the school, but I was—I have a chance to go into some of these schools and and do assemblies and talk to students about you know faith and and what they're really thinking about faith and what they're thinking about life, and 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 I would I I commonly get a group of kids together just to ask about their dating relationships, and I and I just say, look bottom line you're not going to see me again in three days so you know you can be honest with me and i'm not going to go tell your parents what's going on but tell me what's going on in the dating relationships in this high school and as we're sitting around the table uh one of the one of the guys popped piped in and he he said uh andy here at our school it's just like we we just hook up with each other you know every day and so and and hook up has a different meaning than maybe some parents might think that it is they have a they have a, a location that they'll go to and They'll literally engage in physical activity, and, and when it's over, it's just kind of like they just kind of went and played basketball in the backyard. They, <clears throat> they come back to school, and they say, you know, they, they give each other high fives, and wasn't that fun last night, and, and then the next night, they do the same thing over and again. And so each night, we have teenagers that are out just hooking up with each other.
1: And and even worse so, not only is any sense of impropriety gone or shame or guilt uh, apparently just completely uh, cast aside, but then isn't it so that at certain levels we see, Andy, the influence of so-called modern-day social media? Uh, that is helping to exacerbate all of this? Because now, you know, not only are the kids are hooking up, and then they're bragging about it on Facebook or, or texting each other, if not with the gory details, even with photographs.
3: Uh, with the gory details and photographs. Wow. It's, it's unbelievable. In fact, I'll get I'll get emails from parents that, that sneak on their kid's computer, and they'll download the latest Skype conversation that they're having. And it would, I mean, it just makes you blush to think about the language that kids are using and the and the, uh, just the explicitness of what's going on. So we've gone
1: from being concerned about our kids potentially being exposed to pornography in the city parts of town to now actually creating the pornography.
3: Oh, no doubt. No doubt.
1: And most parents. I mean, as much as you talk to teens, you also talk to their parents. What's the reaction? I mean, you're speaking upwards of of eighty thousand, a hundred thousand teens every year. You have a lot of impact and an opportunity to talk to the parents when you when you share some of these details. Much as we are here this afternoon, what's the reaction?
3: I find that that there's a, there's a there's a lot of parents who would, would come and they'd say, obviously they'd be in the camps and say, oh, that's not my kid. My kid would never do that. My kid would never be involved in that. Uh, and then you have some parents that, that say, okay, I see the issue. I see what you're doing now. What, do you, what can we do to encourage our kids? And especially in the Christian communities, when I go in and start talking about dating and relationships, um, there are some honest parents that go, hey, look, um, we need help. Uh, we, need, we need folks that can bridge the gap between the teen relationship and the parent relationship. Help us coach our kids. And so, you, you know, you kind of get both sides of the spectrum, but, but I tend to focus on the ones that are going, all right, we, we get it. We know our kids are not perfect. We know our kids could be involved in this. Teach me how to coach my kid to have a successful relationship in high school.
1: A lot of parents feel overwhelmed by this a sense of perhaps being out of control because of the number of counter influences to what they're trying to teach their kids. I mean, I would assume parenting today is as it was when I was a kid, that most parents want to be able to set up an atmosphere in the household that that establishes and then helps to encourage uh, certain standards and and a uh, standard for living, a moral code, et cetera, et cetera. Mine happened to, to, to come out of the church, but, you know, somehow some sort of a, a decent code of behavior, that parents are not only having to compete with with um, the counterculture that is out there that's running contrarian to what they're trying to teach their kids and values in the home or, or in church. And then on top of all of this, I bet there's a huge frustration because just parents feel as if there's little they can do. Right. But
3: I think um, it's easy sometimes for parents to just defer to all the other influences. But the research has shown us now when you ask kids about the most influential people in their life... In other words, what are the most, what are the most uh, prominent voices in your life today? The research that's come out say parents still hold the number one spot in developing a worldview of that teenager. And, and to most parents, I can say, you know, how many times have we been driving down the road with our kids in the back seat and we say something, uh, you know, our kids are acting up or something, and we say, be quiet, stop touching each other. And all of a sudden, this memory of you being in that car kind of comes through and you remember your mom or your dad saying those things, all to point to, Uh, The things that we learn about parenting often come from our parents, and so I often encourage parents to think about if you have the number one influence in your child's life, and secondly is friendships, peer relationships, and then third, the research comes out and says that the media holds the third position. So, So if you've still got the number one spot, then it's time for parents to start really parenting. It's time for parents to really think about, you know, when is my kid on that computer and who are they talking to on that computer and who are they texting, you know, when they're at the dinner table and and start taking control and and be a parent in your house. My goodness, you're still mom and you're still dad and you have a responsibility to, to rise up and raise your kids.
1: If you've just joined the conversation, Andy Branner with us tonight, teen expert, author of an expose on teen sex and dating, what's really going on and how to talk about it. We'll come back to more of the insights and our conversation tonight. If you want to join us with a comment or a question, join in. Toll free numbers, 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888-367-5329. A timeout. back with more as this edition of Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, welcome back to The Conversation. Andy Branner with me tonight, guest expert on teens... Author of a new book called An Exposé on Teen Sex and Dating, What's Really Going On and How to Talk About It. You know, one of the other big uh, shockers here, I think, for a lot of parents is the amount of alcohol and drug abuse going on. Uh, There was a Department of Health and Human Services substance abuse report that came out that found that over a quarter of teens, 25%, have engaged in uh, alcohol abuse under the age of 21, and seventeen percent have gotten engaged in so-called binge drinking. There are folks listening to this program right now, Andy, who have never binged drank in their life, let alone doing it before the age of eighteen. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah The uh, those are the old those are the old teenage adages, right? If we can only get them to stop drinking and stop smoking weed and stop having sex, then then everything will be fine. But but what we found is that those are just merely a veneer. All those issues, those classic teenage issues, are just, uh, those are the, the surface issues of something deeper going on. And what we find those things to be true out here, we've got a little place called Kivu out in Colorado. We have over 1,000 students every summer that come out here to do adventures in Colorado. And, and, and during that time, we get a chance to really live life with students. And so what we find is that most students that are that are just trying to make their journey through high school are struggling with significance. And, and it might not just be a teen issue. It could be, a, I mean, it's probably just all of us, right? We all want to feel valuable. We all want to feel significant. We all want to feel like we've got somebody that will listen to us. And, and, and the more that I find kids that are engaged in activities, as you mentioned, the more I find somebody crying out going, who in this world is going to value me? Mm. Who's going to be with me? And I, and I would say, and I say this every time I get in front of an audience, the number one issue in the teenage world today is not drinking, it's not sex, it's not drugs. The number one issue is loneliness. They're walking through life, and they just feel all alone.
1: You know, and the amazing thing to that message is that's kind of the description of the, the human condition overall, isn't it? That's
3: it. Yeah, that's it. And I, th- I find the more that I can when i've been down to look a student in the eye and i and i give them the value that they deserve as being human all of a sudden their eyes light up and they think, oh, wow, somebody, somebody cares for me. And if they can do that at home, if a mom and a dad can do the parenting thing in a way that they really invest time in the things that teenagers like to do, and they really focus on valuing their students. Sure, there's disciplinary things. Surely there's correction things. Surely there are issues where we have to get in and mentor and coach. But when I place value in my teenager, he longs to be with me. He wants to be with people that find him valuable.
1: And it goes back to the old, age-old adage that oftentimes the best thing that you can do to sort of inoculate your kids against all that the world has to offer out there is just to spend some time with them. And if you use the excuse, oh, but I'm putting in 60-hour work weeks to earn enough money so we can take the big vacations and live in the bigger house, I'm doing it all for my kids, in the end you're going to find out that uh, uh, the opposite effect of what you were hoping for comes to fruition
3: that's it and I tell kids I tell parents a lot you know when my kids got to the age where they could they could do Legos and they started stacking Legos uh, they would sit in the living room for hours just stacking these things and making these different concoctions of Lego buildings and stuff and I got to tell you Craig I hate Legos I just don't think that way I have no patience I don't I don't I can't put the six block with the four block with the two blocks but it was the times that I sat in the living room and said you know what even though I don't like doing this I know you love it and to to spend time with you i'm going to do the thing that you like to do those were the relationships where where relationships started being made that's when they started seeing hey dad really cares about us cuz he wants to spend time doing what we want to do so i encourage parents all, all the time you know if you can find that thing if it's video games don't don't just turn the, the xbox off maybe sit down with your kid and say hey teach me how to do this i'd love to do this with you and get into their world and once you get into their world then these conversations about drinking and drugs and sex and relationships at school and academics and all the different things that they're involved in start just bubbling forth without you even really having to
1: ask any real hard questions. You're not suggesting to try to be a peer or a friend. I mean, you can be a friend to your kids, but, you know, your your kids will have plenty of friends in their lifetime. They're only going to have one mother and one father.
3: Sure, sure, yeah. I think the friendship thing is... Is, is a different term maybe than I want to invest my time where you find time. And and I'm going to show value to you the way that you need to feel valued. And, and if we can do that, man, it's, I'm telling you, it changes the way parents and teenagers interact together. Let's
1: grab a couple of calls here. We're going to go to Lori in San Jose. Lori, come on in with your comment or question for my guest tonight, Andy Branner.
0: Hi. Um, I um, have taught high school and different age group students and
3: Um, I found that, uh, you know, sex is a big problem as far as, you know, student-student interactions becoming more casual. But does your book address, um, uh, you know, faculty uh, becoming involved in promoting sexuality, like uh, what Governor Brown did uh, and the legislature did as far as um, SB... I think it's
1: SB forty-eight. Forty-eight, yeah, and you know, and 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 even the bigger equation there, Laurie, is the fact that we've seen so much of almost substitute parenting going on in the classroom. And, and some of it, I think, to be fair, Andy, a few parents kind of fell on their swords, didn't do their job, and then some, I think, well-meaning but over-enthusiastic folks at the the educational level said, well, look, if the parents are not going to teach their kids right from wrong and, and sex education, we'll take care of that for them. The problem is, you know, fast forward 40 years after so-called sex education made its way into the classroom, now all of a sudden it's moved from, you know, just good health information to suddenly uh, promoting an agenda. Andy?
3: Right. So the book, to to speak to your question directly, Lori, the book does not address the public school's responsibility or not responsibility. So I'll speak just off the cuff in in, in the research that I found. It speaks more to what Craig was talking about. We see administrators all over the country who are standing up saying we need sex education in the classroom, and we find parents that are trying to opt out of those things in, in a way that they say, hey, it's our responsibility, we're going to teach them. Well, let me just give you a little uh, a little story. We had a guy that was sending his kid out to our place here in Colorado, and he said, "Are you guys going to teach sexuality out there?" And I said, "Well, yeah, we have a whole course on dating and sexuality as it relates to the Christian worldview, and what, what is it, what is God's intention for us in developing a relationship." Well, the man was well intentioned on the other end of the phone, and he said, "He said 'Well, I'd like my daughter to opt out of that class.'" And I said, "Well, that's great because we don't want to do anything that offends parents. We want to make sure we're locking arms with parents. We want to do what you want to do." I said. Cause could you tell me a little bit, like, why? Why don't you want her in that class? And he said, well, we're going to we're gonna teach her those things at home, and we just want to reserve that conversation. To which I responded, incredible. That's incredible. That's a great idea. Thanks for being good parents. And then I said, if you don't mind, might I ask, how old is your daughter when she's coming out here? I'd just like to know, you know, where she's going to fit in, where she's going to play, how we can identify her. He said, well, she's 15 years old. <laughs> to that I said, Brother, I don't mean to step on your toes, but that
1: ship has already sailed. Yeah, you're, 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 you're going to have the conversation? Yeah, well, you should have been thinking about that probably 15, probably, you know, eight years ago. Our research shows that There's the
3: average first sexual experience happens at 12 years old. Yep.
1: There you go. And that, that, is, that is the stark reality that I think a lot of parents need to deal with. You know, even as we think about how we were parented, Andy, and wish to apply some of those lessons to how we in turn become parents and parent our own kids, we've got to realize this clock is moving faster than any of us realize.
3: It's, it's fast, and that, that statistic of 12 years old means that 50% of them, parents, are younger than 12, and so we've got to, if we're going to stand up and take the, the mantle of teaching our kids about sexuality, then we've got to start those conversations as awkward as they might seem earlier and earlier.
1: Some good insights. If they want to get copies of the book, Andy, it's available, I would imagine, through your website as well as Amazon.com.
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amazon.com, uh, andybrainer.com is my website, or you can just flip over to navpress.com uh, and you can go down to the teenage section and it's highlighted there.
1: All right. An expose on teen sex and dating, what's really going on and how to talk about it. Information again on Andy's website, Andy andybrainer.com. Andy, thanks for the time and the insights.